let's get right into it. Happy 11-11, everyone. It is November 11th, 2021, and as many of you may know, or if you don't know, um, 11-11 is a huge spiritual sign and group and synchronicity and number and symbol for uh, many mediums and many synchronicities and many spiritually connected folks. So hello, happy 11-11, everyone, and um, let's get going. This is going to be interesting. <laughs> My name is Dr. Christina Rawls, and I used to be a philosophy professor, and I am now a full-time evidential and orb medium, physical trance medium in training. And I have a couple of things I just want to throw together here that I was thinking about lately, some logic and some s- spiritual connections and past and present and future. And then I'll leave you with uh, something, an interview that's coming up with filmmaker and director Stephen Berkeley, who has a brand new documentary on the film circuit right now called Living with Ghosts. And it is phenomenal as far as documentaries go about the subject of spirituality and psi phenomena and therapy and grieving and um, overcoming your grief for a lost loved one who now is transitioned to the other side. As a medium, I can say it that way because it's the truth. And there's lots of evidence for this. There's a whole research page on my website, drchris1111.com. <laughs> so there you go, right? drchris1111.com um, to look up if you're interested, including for skeptics. And we are in a paradigm shift. So let's do this. I'm getting ready for this interview. It's coming up in the next few weeks. So I look forward to that. And we'll talk a little bit about that at the end. So this is episode four of Orb Magic. And I'm going to title it Permission to Have Your Own Experience. So this is a podcast on Anchor, right? And let's just ground and breathe for a minute. So ground yourself through your root chakra. Take a big, deep breath. As many as you'd like. We're breathing anyway, right? (laughs) As my former students know, nose breathing is a very amazing and well-documented way for thousands of years to help with all kinds of issues or challenges or stressors in life, anxiety, PTSD. Um, It's just an incredible way to reduce some of the symptoms of those things. We were nose breathers as as early humans and our filter for our bodies is our nose. Just like everything has a filter, so does the body, and it's the nose. You can look this up with James Nestor in a new book from last year, two years ago, called Breath, which is incredible book, by the way. And I used to teach on it, but yeah, big breath through the nose, out the mouth, and just breathe as much as you'd like. So this podcast is going to actually start with grounding and breath for a reason. Because again, as I've said before, language is not enough. And we're going to do a 20-minute podcast or so about some interesting interrelated topics. So here's the set of topics. Free will again. um, Taking control of your space and permission to have your own experience. 
symbols of physical space and psychic space and symbolism in general, conscious and unconscious, fractals and fractal geometry, what? And the science of psi. So I was doing two things the other day and brought them together. And that's why I thought this would make for a good podcast. I was listening to another podcast called A Psychic's Story with Nicole Bigley. I highly recommend it. Episode 40, Using Intuition to Create Space with Laura Benko. Who was founder of the holistic? Who is the founder of the holistic home company? So look those up. They're both amazing. And part of the discussion was on feng shui and psi abilities and intuition and how our spaces are structured, especially if you're spiritually connected or a medium or you know this importance of having the free will and right. Uh, to autonomy and structuring your own space, including your psychic space. And by that, I don't just mean psychic space as a medium. I mean also your mental space, so not just your physical space. We have free will, so if others are, for example, forcing symbolism on you or their interpretation of color, objects, meaning, language, things that they prefer or think are real or true or the way that reality is... It will affect your psyche. And if it takes over or if they attempt to take over your psychic space, your physical space, all of your spaces, which has happened to me in my life and it was and is pretty horrible at times. And I've sort of started cutting the apron strings, if you will, and cutting the cords energetically and otherwise to those that continue to do that. Um, because everybody has free will and deserves their own um, autonomy, independence, and respect, every human being. Uh, And as a race theorist, I particularly uh, try to understand how important that is for every human being. But isn't it a form of terrorism in a way if others are trying to take over your spaces, including your mental space? And thoughts are reality, especially in the psi world, we know this. Um, And I don't mean psi as in science, although that is important also, and there is science of psi and psychic phenomena. Um, But I mean psi, I mean PSI, right? Um, the ability to connect psychically, the ability to connect and talk with and communicate with other human beings who are now transitioned after death into the next chapter, um, and you know, different psi abilities. And there are many, 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 many. And we all have something. I am not special as an orb photographer, <laughs> although I do get orbs every time on photos, but. Um, there's other podcasts about that and it's all over my website but you know we all have something so I encourage you to find out what your size something is and develop it so how are we going to put all these things together right they're talking about you know Nicole and Laura were talking about using intuition to develop your spaces your physical space and your psychic space and your mental space but if thoughts are reality and others are constantly trying to tell you what they think and what they want you to think, then that is a form of terrorism and it is a form of um, intrusion and it, it doesn't respect another person's free will. So it's also a form of bullying, right? Um, especially if your words are being used against you. 
or altered or edited without your knowledge, your clothing, your pictures, your home decor, uh, your jewelry, all of those things. If they are being in, you know, interfered with, if your furniture is being uh, moved without your permission, you know, by someone else to make it look a certain way that they want it to be um, in your space, then that is not okay. If it's their space or a shared space, that's different. There's compromise that's needed there. But if it's your space, it's not okay. And we all have our own space. So it's logic to realize that if you want to feel empowered, worthy of yourself, um, have a sense of worthiness, as we talked about in the last podcast, Brene's Brown note, for example, at the end of her very famous first and second TED Talks, but at the end of her first one, one of the most TED, watched TED Talks in history, she has written, I am enough, little I, little I, I am enough. And to say that to yourself, and she's the vulnerability researcher, right? We love Brene Brown around um, town. But then you need to be able to feel, feel in control, right, of your own personal space, You need to be able to fill your personal space and psychic space with your choice of thoughts, with your choice of clothing, furniture, words, meanings, um, both physically and mentally and, and spiritually, you know. So what this, does this then have to do with fractals and fractal geometry and the science of psi and synchronicities? Everything, in my humble opinion. So fractals are the geometric or related patterns in nature um, that are the same exact shape both microscopically and macroscopically. The most famous example is the Mandelbrot fractal. And this is a topic I wrote about about 25 years ago in my undergrad philosophy thesis because I love fractals. And I used to think back then, 25 years ago, like just... I used to start seeing fractals everywhere and fractals in nature and fractals in consciousness and the fractal structure of consciousness made a lot of sense to me. And now as a full-time evidential medium, the fractal structure of consciousness really does make a lot of sense. And we could talk about that more, but here's the gist and see if you can put it all together at the end because I want to leave you with some, I'm going to read something at the end of this, um, leave you with that. But And you can look up fractals. They're very interesting if you don't know what they are. They're really cool to look at the images. Um, But fractals are basically very mind-blowing to ponder. And if we think about that and how we can connect it to feng shui and the free will to structure your psychic space yourself as an autonomous, independent human being with a soul that's all your own fingerprint right um one of the many wonderful insights that laura banco was discussing in her podcast is that whatever is around you in your home the way it is arranged will affect you and the way that it appears and the way that it's used and so from the doors to the mirrors for better or worse right to pictures, to electronics, to collections, um, furniture, books, food, clothing, just the space. The space is in the way it's used. So if others are manipulating that and it can affect your energy and affect the way you feel, 
that is, in my humble estimation, one of the most horrible feelings, and I have experienced it personally on a massive scale. It is one of the most horrible feelings um, that someone can feel because there is literally nowhere for you to have your own thoughts. And that sounds strange, right? Because we're constantly having our own thoughts. Um, But the intrusions are the problem. And if you cannot create your own space, literally like an artist, right? I think the existentialists here again, (laughs) but I keep coming back to them. I love it. Um, But you are the creator of your own reality, spiritually speaking, in, in psi phenomena and research, we know that as well. But you are the creator of your own space. And if you don't get to do that, that can cause some very serious consequences. This leads me now to the science and logic of Psy. So in Christopher Carter's 2007 work, Science and Psychic Phenomena, The Fall of the House of Skeptics, uh, there is a forward by Rupert Sheldrake that I highly recommend to everyone to read and look at. But I'm just going to read a few pages from the beginning of that book. I would love to read you the forward by Rupert Sheldrake, but since I'm trying to make these, as you know, less than a half hour, 20 minutes, 15 minutes, 25 minutes, that kind of thing, I'm just going to finish with this little reading here of um, the beginning of this book by Chris Carter, again, a wonderful author. Um, And this is a section at the very, very, very beginning, right after the introduction, called The Strange Trials of Henry Slade. Forty-five years later, a bizarre trial divided London, so this is in the 1800s, and attracted international attention. It all started in the summer of 1876, so exactly 100 years before I was born, when the American psychic, so it's all about the American psychic, Henry Slade, visited some friends in London, and held seances with several prominent townspeople. Now, here's the interesting thing. Henry is an American psychic who was going in between the UK and the United States, and he was a physical trance medium who conducted seances. Sound familiar, anyone? (laughs) Um, But... At these seances, Slade would demonstrate his apparent psychic powers, and I don't like the word apparent, um, but which would include the movement of untouched objects, the disappearance and reappearance of objects, and the tying of knots in untouched endless cords and related phenomena, which I and many others this year, 2021, have also experienced in seances. All of that phenomena, which defies the laws of nature, right? Quote, unquote. And that's what makes people not believe they're real. Um, But you have to experience things to know that they're reality. This applies to almost everything I'm learning in life. You really do have to have the experience of it, including if others are intruding on your space. If you're the one doing the intruding, that's very different than having the actual experience of being intruded on. And you cannot understand something unless you have the experience of it. I was talking to um, a new friend, Kevin, who has an amazing podcast called Think Awe. So you can look that up. Think Awe as in A-W-E. And he was interviewing me for one of those podcasts. And um, I recommend all the podcasts so far. They're really good and really thought well thought out. But, um, you know, I was saying it's like I've told students, it's trying, it's like the example of trying to explain using language to a male as a female who has just given birth what it's like to give birth. You can't. 
And those are two very different things. You would have to have the experience to actually know what it was like. And it's the same here with seances. But anyway, I digress. What, what got Slade into trouble was his most popular skill, that of seemingly producing automatic writing on a slate. Slade would take a child's slate, put a crumb of pencil lead on it, and hold it face up under the flap of a table with his fingers under the back of the slate and his thumb on top of the table flap, so above the table, right? After a few seconds, scraping noises would be heard and a scrawled message would be found on the slate. Slade had been tested by American uh, in America by American Robert, Col- I think it's pronounced Collier, and although Collier found the messages often trivial and sometimes ridiculous, he was satisfied after the testing that they could not have been produced by any trick. Shortly after arriving in England, Slade was tested by August Cox on behalf of the site psychological society cox had founded although anxious to expose cheats cox was unable to find any fault with henry slade um the room he reported was sunlit in addition to slate's writing the inexplicable movement of large and small objects was said to have occurred A few days later, Slade was tested by Dr. Carter Blake, the former secretary of the Anthropological Society, so how about that, who also pronounced that he considered Henry Slade genuine, a genuine physical trans medium who could be used to do these things. Spirits use mediums to do these things is how it works. So I'll continue. All of this was too much for Edwin Ray Lancaster, the young laboratory assistant of the famous zoologist and skeptic Thomas Henry Huxley. Anyone ever hear of him? Apparently, eager to impress his heroes and teachers, Charles Darwin and Thomas Huxley, Lancaster and his fellow medical student, Horatio Donkin, visited Slade pretending to be believers. During a seance, Lancaster claimed that he had suddenly snatched a slate out of Slade's hands before the, quote, spirit could begin to write and had found a message on it. So he lied. Slade claimed in a letter to the Times, London Times, that the writing had, in fact, been heard before the slate was snatched away. So he, but Donkin denied this and Slade was charged with violating the Vagrancy Act an old law designed to protect the public from traveling palm readers and sleight-of-hand artists, right? Like burning witches at the stake in the modern age, although it was the late 1800s, so not that modern. Throughout the fall of 1876, London buzzed with talk of the Slade trial. The courtroom was packed with Slade's supporters and detractors, and the Times carried trial transcripts day after day. The trial also divided the scientific community. Darwin contributed 10 pounds. Charles Darwin himself contributed 10 pounds to the prosecution, a substantial sum in those days, while his co-founder of the theory of evolution, Alfred Russell Wallace, was set to testify as a star witness for the defense. Think about this, people. Only 145 years ago, because I'm about to be 46, literally Charles Darwin and his students and co-founder of the theory of evolution, Alfred Russell Wallace, were completely so divided on physical transmediumship 
that the whole town, the whole of London was talking about it and the United States, right, and the UK. And they were each individually paying huge sums of money on each side of either the prosecution or the defense. Darwin wanting to prosecute no matter what at any cost, the medium, and Alfred Russell Wallace wanting to defend what to me looks like the truth. That is fascinating, and I had no idea about that until recently. By common consent, the legal evidence against Slade was weak. Even a historian favorably disposed, disposed toward Lancaster and Donkin wrote that both scientists turned out to be terrible witnesses. Their observational skills developed in anatomy and physiology labs were useless in detecting fraud by professional cheats. Indeed, Lancaster and Donkin apparently could not agree on anything much beyond their charge that Slade was an imposter. And he just had to be, right? The two had to admit they could not explain, though, how Slade's tricks, quote-unquote, right, tricks, were accomplished, and they were prepared to assert with confidence was what they were prepared, all they were prepared, sorry, to assert with confidence was that they must have been tricks because the conjurer, John masculine had shown them how the table had been designed for that purpose it had specially constructed flaps movable bars and wedges expressly designed to hold the slate leaving slate's fingers free to write on it and to produce wraps during the seances and knocks on the wall and wraps and table tipping and tables moving and furniture moving is very common during most you know spiritual experiences with mediums by the way right the table itself was produced as an exhibit, and Mescalin was called as a witness. He then proceeded to demonstrate how he thought the trick must have been done. With the aid of a pencil shaped like a thim- thimble, the prosecution pointed out that the table had been constructed according to the specifications of Slade's assistant, who had been prosecuted with him, and so conspiracy was added to the charge of vacancy. Sound familiar? Sounds like current day stuff. Same tactics being used today and in recent years against mediums. This was a blow to the defense, but soon there was a new twist in the trial. The prosecution subpoenaed R.H. Hutton as a witness. Hutton was the shrewd skeptical editor of The Spectator, a man with an unblemished reputation, right? So be careful of those people with unblemished reputations in... Um, different disciplines Um, they can maybe be the worst witness to the situation Um, who could be counted upon to testify accurately to whatever he had seen he had attended seances he told the court and although he had doubts about some of the things that he had seen there were many that he could not account for by sleight of hand the testimony of the foreman carpenter on whose premises the table had been made also turned out to be an embarrassment for the prosecution surprise surprise he confirmed that the table had indeed been constructed to a particular specification for instance to have one support of each flap instead of two but it was difficult to see how this could help a conjurer or a trickster what about the wedges which masculine alleged had been used to make the wraps the carpenter had to admit that these had not been in the specifications but had to be inserted after the table had been made to compensate for some faulty workmanship actually 
The high point of the trial was the testimony of Wallace for the defense. His integrity and candor were well known. Wallace testified that the effects he had observed could not have been produced by sleight of hand, although he refused to speculate on whether the slate writings were caused by spirits. (laughs) So that's interesting, right? In his summation, Slade's attorney argued that there was no convincing evidence against his client. The prosecution had not proved that the table was rigged, so sorry, Charles Darwin, and Maskelyne's demonstrations of how the trick could could have been done were irrelevant. The timing of the answer's appearance proved nothing about its origins, and Lancaster and Duncan could not even agree on exactly what they had seen during the seance at all. Finally, the testimony of such an eminent scientist as Wallace should be considered at least as credible as that of a young Lancaster. But nothing could save the accused. The judge ruled that Slade must be guilty since, quote, according to the well-known course of nature, end quote, there could be no other explanation. Three months hard labor was the sentence. Poor medium Henry Slade, seance medium, sentenced to three months of hard labor. And he was innocent because I know for a fact, folks, that seances are real and that mediumship is real. Again, look up Suzanne Giesman. She used to be a United States Navy commander, a pretty high-ranking one, and she is now a very public physical and mental medium. I say physical because she channels her group, Sanaya, and you can see those channelings on YouTube. I got back to the end of this reading, and then we'll call it a podcast. Call it a pod. Two months later, the Court of Appeal rejected the verdict because the words by palmistry or otherwise had inadvertently been omitted from the indictment. Lancaster announced that he would initiate a fresh prosecution, putting Slade in a difficult situation. If he left for Germany, accepting an invitation to visit, his enemies would allege that he was a fugitive from justice and running, right? Before his trial, Slade had been urged by his friends, just like Socrates, in my opinion, when Socrates was unjustly accused and put in prison and his friends tried to get him and break him out of prison, right? (laughs) And get him to be able to live out the rest of his life. I feel this is similar. He was urged, Slade was urged by his friends to leave England on the grounds that he would not receive a fair trial. Slade refused. But now he had been shown that, but, but now he had been shown that an English court could not give him a fair trial as a judge had ruled that regardless of the evidence he must be guilty since the alleged phenomena were contrary to the known quote laws of nature seeing no hope of escaping conviction Slade left for Germany he wrote to Lancaster offering to come back to England to be tested but only if Lancaster would end his legal crusade Lancaster did not reply and Slade did not return. And there's more to that story. So look up Chris Carter's Science and Psychic Phenomena, The Fall of the House of Skeptics. Um, I've had this book for years and I've read parts of it. I've referred to parts of it, but I've never really gone through it closely. And I'm really happy to be able to do that now. I'll leave you with the exciting news that there will be an interview on these podcasts with Stephen Barkley of the new documentary, Living with Ghosts. 
coming up soon in a few weeks. Get ready. I'm so excited. Um, It's an incredible documentary. I recommend it to everybody. And if you pay 10 bucks or around that, I think, (laughs) you'll be able to have your own screening of it uh, before it's released in theaters and on PBS next year in 2022. So we'll get ready for that coming soon. Thanks for listening. And I send you love and light. I really do. Every single one of you listening, thank you for being here no matter who you are. I send you good energy on 1111. Bye.